I think when we think of investment, it's fine when you're thinking of money, right? But when you're thinking of time, that that time is more valuable than anything else because you'll never, ever, ever get that back. I'll never get that moment back of missing that, right? Hello, and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Metis, your host. And the person you are listening to is Jeff Skadra. Jeff is a successful entrepreneur who was able to understand the limitations of his previous business, scale it up and sell it. So the dream. And then he took that framework that he's now teaching to other entrepreneurs to enable them to go through the same success he has seen. He calls his framework the F5 framework because he talks about five areas of focus around the owner, the business model, the operations, client acquisition, and then scaling the business. And we are going to deep dive into each and every one of those in this fascinating conversation that can help you grow your business. Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together, we search for gold, strategies, systems, processes, and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Hello and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Metis, your host, and I'm really excited about the topic I have for you today. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know the podcast says in the beginning at the intro that growing a business is tough. It's tough for everyone. So basically anybody in the business who's involved in growing it is not an easy task, but it gets harder and harder as you get closer to the top. So the leadership team, and especially the CEO, and especially if she or he is the founder. And why? It's because people at the top, and again, especially the founders, confuse a strong sense of responsibility and ownership with having to do anything or everything. And I was part of that problem. And my guest today had the same kind of problem. So Jeff Skadra, who is my guest today, had a small business and he fell into the trap that a lot of small businesses fall into where he was the center of everything. And as he says and admits, it took him to a very dark place. And then he was looking for ways to get out of that place and through reading the right books and hiring a coach and developing a method, he was able to make the transition, grow the business, sell the business. So it's kind of like the dream transition. And now he has developed this methodology into something that he teaches other CEOs to help them through the same journey. So since this is a very common theme with small businesses and even medium businesses where, where people who are still the founders get their hands into too many things on the day-to-day, -day, which in the end really stops the business from growing, this could be extremely valuable to anyone who is in those positions or aspires to be in that position. And so having the right framework that can help you identify the problems, knowing what to focus on so you can grow the business is amazing. And hence, I'm really excited to have Jeff Skadra as the guest today. Jeff, I'm welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. 
Well, thank you for having me. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I try. Jeff, I know your personal story very much ties to what you're doing today, right? You, you, you had your own scars to, <laughs> to develop this thing. When and how you found out that's important, that, that having the right focus, that having the right systems and processes in the company really makes a big difference. Yeah. So like you were saying, I fell into that self-employment trap that so many business owners do, right? We have a talent. There's something that we've done in our career that we have found, and we believe that we can bring it to the, to other people. And we were talking before this podcast that I fell into the self-employment trap when I was in third grade. I had realized that we were playing, that, that the kids that I was playing with liked the paper footballs that I was making. And then I colored them and I taped them and I made them like really, really nice and just your, your general one. And so I started selling them. Well, I was doing all the work. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> when you're in third grade, I mean, a dime for, for milk money or whatever we were getting for lunch was great, right? So fast forward, you know, however many years, 20 some years. And having my my agency and starting it up from freelance is something that I see often in this journey of, of people that I work with, of agency owners that I work with and business owners. And the same thing happened to me. So I went in, I got clients, I delivered on those clients, I got more clients, delivered on those clients, and then things kept growing and growing. And obviously you hire reactively, you keep you, but you stay in that mentality that everything has to flow through you because you created it. The reputation of your business relies on you and you just don't want to let go. You know, I added more employees, more employees, more employees, and I just never wanted to let go, especially the things that were really, really close to me. So it was really hard to, to, to get over that. And I, I stagnated at that point. And you mentioned about, you know, this really low point in my life. And so as more business came in, I was working harder and harder. I didn't want to, you know, I was a nice guy. I didn't make my employees stay till all hours of the night, like some businesses do. So I put it all on my shoulders. So I was working every night until, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, including weekends. And the story that I shared with you last time was, you know, I was sitting there one night, it was probably, I'm guessing 10 PM at night because it was, I was looking into the abyss out my window of, of the blackness of the world <laughs> and thinking like, what am I doing? You know, I had missed my daughter's soccer game and she had scored, I think one or two goals. You know, she was young. It was kitty kick soccer, but still it was, you know, it was important to me and missing those moments. It's crazy. You know, I, I think I probably even put my head down on the desk and just thought, you know, I'm making sacrifices today for things that I hope happen later in life, right? Like I'm in, I'm trying to invest my time now for later. And I think when we think of investment, it's fine when you're thinking of money, right? But when you're thinking of time, that that time is more valuable than anything else because you'll never, ever, ever get that back. I'll never get that moment back of missing that, right? And so I had to really, I really backed myself into a corner and said, stop doing this, you know, stop being the problem, stop working so much, live the life today, right? I mean, it, it, people have figured this out. This isn't a new thing. It's not like, you know, the there's CEOs of the world, there's business owners, small business of the world who have figured this out. So figure it out, dummy, like, come on. <laughs> so I took, you know, it took me a while though, it took me about three years to really, really, really work my way through. And I'm such an analytic and overthinker that that was probably part of the problem. 
<laughs> so yeah, like you said, I I think Emeth was the first book that I turned to. Emeth was all about systems. So I, I learned about systems that led me to, I think a coach came into town. So I went on a free, like a, a free one or two hour seminar with him, ended up hiring him for about a year or two. And just, it took me that long to really figure out the answer to moving my business forward. And because I'm an overthinker and a lot of entrepreneurs are, and, and we, we keep a lot of these things on our shoulders, simplification was really the answer. And you mentioned focus even earlier on, which is the name of my business, Focus First. This is an F up here. And you should have called it FU or something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Pointed back at the owner, like, Screw you, what the hell are you doing? And and so it was, that's really where the success, that was really like the secret of it all. It was, you're doing too much in your business for your clients, for, you know, your, your model is just too much. And a service-based business is really susceptible to that trap because we're really reactive to everyone that comes in the door who has money, right? He's flashing us money. And we're like, you know, eyes big and like, yes, I will take your money all day long and I'll do anything you tell me to do. And it's, that's what gets you, you know, that's literally what causes the problem that and being at the center of everything. And so when you simplify it and what we did was we simplified it down to just, we were offering, we're a marketing company that was offering all sorts of business, sorry, all, all sorts of services and just really got to a point where it was too much. And we, we simplified it down to just websites, just WordPress websites, found the system that worked for us, found the process, put that into place. I didn't have to do anything except sell. All I did was sell. And once we got to that point, things were moving forward. We added a couple of services back on and that's where we attracted the, the buyer. You know, we were on a prospect call with an IT company and they came in and were like, Hey, what would it look like if you came on board with us, you know, brought your team and, and your services and everything. And boom, you know, about a month or so later, that's what happened. Sold the business. Amazing. Great Cinderella story. Uh, <laughs> no, it is. I, I listen. I, I I interviewed somebody. I'm I'm so connected to everything that you're saying because I've been to small businesses. I've been on my own. I've been in larger businesses, and it and it's not an easy transition, right? And especially for and like I said, there's so many people who go through that process, and it's very hard to let go. And I've interviewed somebody a while ago, like probably a hundred episodes ago, and she she shared something very similar, and she had a very cool idea. She's like, okay, I gotta get out of this what people do I need in the business? Like, okay, you need a CEO, you need a COO, you need a head of operations, you need a salesperson, you need a marketing guy, you need a, all these things. So she created a an org chart and she put her name in all the different spots because she was it. And then she's like, what gives me the biggest headache? This and this. These are the two things that I hate doing the most and I'm not very good at it. These are the two things I need to hire first. How much does that cost? Right. Or an average salary in that in that in that world. They're like, okay, this is fifty thousand dollars. This is sixty five thousand dollars. So if I make fifty thousand dollars worth of profit, I'm hiring this person, and that's how she did the whole org chart. And she still has that piece of paper. Like twenty years later, running this business now as as she's more of a chairman than a CEO at this point. She could kind of like helps in and looks over and has her name on it, but other people are running it. And she literally went, you know, person by person in the organization, replacing herself as yeah. she could afford it. And I think too many people a, are not doing this. And even if they do, they still kind of like have their 
hands in too many cookie jars trying to manage and be in the day-to-day details of things. Yeah, it becomes overwhelming. I mean, again, going back to this, having too many different things that you're trying to do and deliver on for your clients makes hiring even hard. But what you're touching on is the exact psychological principle that works is is this idea of focus and simplification, because that's what she did, right? She was like, I'm going to focus on one thing. And this is my goal. And I remember hearing a podcaster or something, I think it was, I want to say, I'm not going to, I'm going to mess up the name. So I'm not going to try to say who it was, but he was like number three or five person, not number three. He was like number five or six person at Facebook. And he was talking about how they, when they were in their first, I don't know, five years or so, you know, Zuckerberg would tell them, look, we have one goal this year and it's to get, let's just say it was a billion users and lots of people working there. You know, at that time, lots of people working there doing lots of different things, marketing, every aspect finances, but guess what? Everyone was moving towards one thing and it's a billion users and that's it. And, and that's what really, you know, gets in your mind. And with the example that you gave that it's really important just to pick that one thing and just, and just really focus in on it. And that's, that's what I see working with all my clients. And that's what we really focus on is focus. <laughs> really, yeah. Really so I, before we dive into your framework, which I really, really like, I, I want to ask kind of like the, break down the cliche part of it, right? Because you hear in so many places, oh, you got to work on the business instead of in the business and and different phrases who basically say the same thing. Yeah. What does that actually mean on the 30,000 foot level? And how long does it take? Now you do this with clients. Like, is this a two months process, six months process, 12 months process, or like in your case, three-year process? Like, what do you think is a reasonable amount of time for somebody who is has a business that's running, that's profitable, that is involved in too many things to go out and kind of like create that breathing room for himself and the focus for different people in the business? Well, I'll say that it depends, but it can happen really quickly. And sometimes it can happen within a week, to be honest. Okay. And it has, right? I'll I'm sure a lot of people are really happy to hear what, <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'll, I'll use examples. So we were working with an owner. He was pretty much all on his own. I think he had one subcontractor. He, it was like a drone photographer that he was doing. Everything else was on him making like 3k per month, not paying himself anything, doing all of the fulfillment. So we identified that time was one of the main things that was holding him back and because he wasn't able to do anything. And so what we did was we had to find money to, to be able to pay somebody. So we raised his prices. He had some contracts that came in. He was able to make $18,000 in net profit just off of those two contracts. And we identified what that job was that was going to free him up. And it was like an account manager, project manager hybrid. And even though he didn't necessarily have the money to pay that person for a year, he had enough runway that he could pay that person for a month or two and then use that time, apply that time. So what, what I find is when you know, when you can identify an audit, what it is that you need to get off of your plate and you create a plan to do that. And then you take those hours and reinvest those very, very specifically into the area that you know will have an impact instead of just saying, oh, I got free time now. You invest those areas. And that's what he did. We like we identified where that next best thing, that high value task was that he needed to focus on. And he did it every day consistently for like an hour. 
And next thing you know, within three months, he was making 32K per month from 3K per month. Such such a huge turnaround. It was a big, it was a big turnaround. And there were a lot of other problems that came up because of it, but a huge turnaround for him. And and I think one of the biggest things was his that he wanted was his wife was able to put on the calendar when she was going to quit her job. And that was one of the big things for him. She was going to be able to quit her job and be a stay-at-home mom with their their young son. So those are big wins in my book. Amazing. Yeah. I Listen, I, I think you touched on a lot of good things in the last four sentences or so, but you know, <laughs> one is having a, a real why, right? So, and, and the real why for you and that guy, and I think for a lot of people is the same why, right? It's like, it's like the, the things that really matter in life, which is not how much money you made or what your title says, but how much time you can spend with loved ones or doing stuff that you want to do on your own. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't have to be with other people. It could be, I really like whatever, you know, mountain biking, how many, how many hours can you go and mountain bike? And so it's very critical knowing that thing and working towards that goal versus, oh, I just want free time or I just want more money because then you're going to fall off the bandwagon at a certain point. Yeah. I Specificity. I, I really want to take this to the next step, talking about specificity and going into your framework, because again, I think in theory, most people know what we're talking about. They just don't know how to get there. And you were able to break this down into, okay, here are the things you really need to look at and here's how you need to look at them. So let's just dive in one by one and go over these things. And I'll, I'll, I'll bug you as we go along with, with more questions. Sure. Absolutely. And yes, I've, I've gone through this time and time again, and being such an overthinker analytic, like every time I work through, every time I had worked through a client, we just, we reanalyzed that. Is this the right way? Is this the right way? You know, how do we, how do we adjust this just a little bit? And it still is a little bit reactive, but the five things that, that we work on in the F5 framework are, and the F stands for focus. So it's focused owner, focused model, focused operations, focused acquisition, and then focused scaling. So rewinding back um, to the thing that we were already talking about, the focused owner is so critical because the the time that's the thing that unlocks everything else without that without having a control of your time being consistent being disciplined being focused then you don't have anything but the other side of of that you know that that's a whole system and functionality but it's the side that you were also talking about which is making a life not a living right one of the first questions we ask is what do you what is your why what are you doing what do you love to do and different answers. Some people love doing something in their business. They, they want to be creative. Some people want, I just, one of my clients actually said mountain biking <laughs> recently. And uh, by the way, travel- for somebody like me from Florida to say mountain biking, it's even weirder because we don't have mountains, but we still call it mountain biking, which is pretty funny. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, we're on a mountain bike and we get travel a lot. We get family a lot. You know, th- those are kind of the top things, time and money, freedom, all that stuff. So we want to, if you don't know those things and we, I force them to, to tell me like, what does it mean? Right. If you want to travel eight weeks, then how much does that cost eight weeks out of the year? How much does that cost? Because then then they're like, yeah, you're right. Like that's going to cost like a hundred thousand dollars. So when we know the total amount that we're striving for, then we can move to the next part, which is a focus model and build a business model that supports their life in in, as, as close as today as possible. So so freeing up their time, figuring out the consistency, building out the, the life vision, the life goal they want so that we can then move into the focused model, which is, sim- which is all about simplification. 
So I want to pause you before the model. On the owner, you touched on the personal aspirations of it, which is the why, but then there's the what, right? How do you identify what things in the business you keep doing versus what things in the business you either stop doing or delegate, which is a big question for a lot of people, right? Because like, hey, quick, I want to move this aside, but I don't know what to move aside. So how do you find out what the owner should move aside? Well, we do an audit first. So it's it's very painful for everyone. Nobody likes to keep time. I, fi- I found that for myself. I find it for everybody. Nobody wants to do that. But we make them do a two-week audit and understand what are all those things. We categorize those items into like executive time, manager time, technician time, and admin time, right? And you ideally, you just want to stay in executive time, like the top. But executive slash manager is usually where most people, most owners need to stay for a while. And then anything that is technician or admin, those are the things that are relatively easy to get off your plate. So we identify and categorize what those areas are, where those, we call them low-level tasks, LLTs, and what those low-level tasks are, how much time they're spending on them. And then we identify the high level, high value tasks that they're not working on, that they should be doing more of, or they're doing very little of. And then we build a strategy around how do you get rid of this, right? Do you need to delegate? Do you, we call it the dad plan. Do you need to delegate, automate, defer, or delete? So obviously delegate means get rid of it. Somebody else needs to do it. Automate is our system. Defer means can it wait? Can it wait a month? delete is get it the hell off your plate because you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. And it's been sitting on your plate for too long. (laughs) So we work through that whole system of, of helping them find the time, which once we understand what that plan looks like, now we have to put it into action. So we have to carve out an hour or an hour and a half every day for them to work on high to either first get rid of the low level task and then start working on high value tasks consistently every single day and consistency is the key. And you'll hear this on, on Instagram stories and motivation, everything. Consistency is like between focus and consistency. Like those are the two top things you need in business to think about what am I striving for and how am I working towards it every single day? I would add one more thing to consistency and focus, which comes directly from what you said, which is clarity. And you perfectly answer my question, yeah. right? It's like knowing what you need to do in order to go from A to B, which is clarity, is critical. And I think a lot of people fall behind over there because they they want to focus on something, they just don't know what to focus on and they're willing to be consistent with it. They just don't know what. So I think what you said is great. I think, again, to summarize it, people can do this on their own. Like, look at your calendar. You don't even have to do this as you're doing it. Just assuming your calendar, if you're an average business owner or leader, your calendar is booked 90% of the day, 90% of the days. So just look at that calendar and say, okay, put it into those buckets that, that Jeff just mentioned. And, and then, you know, maybe you can correct it as you are actually doing the things, if it's actually changing and then, you know, right. Then, you know, what, where do you spend your time on? And you can then go back and say, I shouldn't be doing this, this and that, and then find what to do with it. Yeah. And it, it's not, I don't want to say it's not that hard because it is, but most people, because they aren't very, they aren't blocking their time. They aren't thinking of it. There's a lot of wasted time. So the trick for me, which isn't a trick is basically just telling them, go block out an hour and a half every day. Yeah. And it works on, on freeing up time too, not just spending time on what you should be, but freeing up time. 
a lot of times people come to me and say, I really just, I really want to spend more time with my daughter. I had a, a guy, he ran an SEO agency. One of the whys was spending more time with his daughter. So I said to him, I think on the first day, I said, look, go take Friday, block out six hours every single Friday, never schedule anything there. Go spend that time with your daughter. We hadn't done anything else. And he did that and he's been doing it. We've been working together for over a year now and he's still doing it and he never does anything. And guess what? His business is still growing. <laughs> yeah. No, I have a lunch date with my wife once a week, which yeah. is because otherwise Time we will get space. To... Time yeah. fills the space. Yeah. But... Okay. So that's owner focus. Now you said this leads to building a model. So talk to me about that. Yeah. So most people are doing too many things in their business. Most people are losing out on price and, and that's kind of... You know, those, those two things kind of go hand in hand, I guess, you know, they're doing everything for everyone because they're worried about, you know, losing business. What they don't realize is when you focus in on your model, when you know, you know, the, the what and where you're headed towards and you have that clarity and you know who you're going after, you know, the problem that you're solving for them and you build a set of services that solves that problem and you sell that over and over and over again, it actually, it becomes easier and faster. You're really slowing everything down by, by being everything to everyone. You're slowing down your team because the delivery becomes chaotic and customized. You're slowing down the sales cycle because that's customized. Your proposals are customized. Everything just slows down when you're trying to do too much. And so at this point, what we're trying to do is productize the best part of their business. We, we transition them from being service-based to being a product-based business. Because if you think about a product-based business, there's a very specific value chain. There's a very specific set of steps that, that is related to a set of costs that the owner or CEO is very clear on from day one. He knows this is how much it's going to cost to source the products. This is how much it's going to cost to put it all together and produce it. This is how much it's going to cost to ship it and market it and everything. Knows the cost. Perfect model, right? Service-based business owners do the same thing, except if you think of it like a product-based business and there's a factory where the owners now decided, I'm going to go work in the factory all day, every day. <laughs> and guess what? If that happened in a product-based business, you know, the same kind of stuff would happen. Things would break down, be chaotic, et cetera. They'd be chasing the money. And so what we do is then look at past performance. Where are they getting the best result? Who are they getting the best result for? Who is the, who do they like working with the most? You know, let's find this perfect congruence and identify who that is. And is there opportunity to go after more? Is there opportunity in the marketplace to do more? If, if they've done it for one, two, three, four, five of the same customers, then there's definitely opportunity out there to do it with more. They have to get over this mindset block that there's a limited amount of people there and they aren't going to make enough money. So we, we basically work through that, that mindset shift of if you were to just go after this and, and charge this amount, then here's what the model looks like. Here's what the economics look like. And that opens their eyes right away. And we go to work at then deconstructing their, the path to the result that they were able to get the point B that they were able to get the transformation they were able to create for their customer, deconstruct that process, and then rebuild it again in the, in the easiest, best, fastest, most efficient, profitable way possible, and then be able to also raise their prices at the same time. 
So once we've identified the avatar, the ideal client, what the, the problem is, build out the solution, and then we can build out the positioning to communicate this, these clear steps to them and, and productize their, their business. I love that. I, I, I just want to go back to step one of this to dive a little, a little deeper, which is, okay, so now I have an agency or whatever service business I have, and I'm doing seven different things. How do I know which one is going to be the most profitable out of the seven, which is the one that you're going to pick? Well, that's that's where we look at past performance. And it's not usually just one. And we don't pigeonhole hold them into that. We look at what is the secret sauce. And the secret sauce is usually them, a combination of their experience and how they've combined a set of services to produce a result. A good example is a client of mine who we've developed something called multi-channel patient stacking or yeah, multi-patient, multi-channel patient stacking. And the name doesn't really matter, right? It's, it's the idea that there's some unique mechanism here that works to, to get these, get his clients, get dentists more patients. And what he's been able to do isn't, you know, completely new. He still uses Facebook ads and Google my business and email and a few other strategies. But what he's done is he's taken it one step at a time and says, okay, in month one, we're going to do Google My Business. It's going to get you five patients per month. In month two, we're going to add Facebook ads. It's going to cost this much, but it's going to get you five to eight more patients. In month three, we're going to do this, month four, et cetera. And so we've been able to put that together in a way that, that shows the client, this is the process. This is what to expect. This is the result that you're going to get. And we also tie that to return on investment. So if you're paying me $3,000, $4,000 a month and each of your patients is worth, you know, whatever $2,000 in lifetime value, then you've made X amount of ROI. And so we're very clear on how that works. Okay. So to put this all together, it's analyzing past performance, looking for the best opportunities, which come from the core, strongest core capabilities of the business. And then building a business model around that to prove that this is the most profitable way to move forward and then putting it into motion. Yeah. And that, that patient stacking is the productization that we do. So that's the product that he's selling. And this unlocks the rest of the F5 framework, which goes right into, if we're moving on, goes right into operations and acquisition, right? We're able to then build more easily build standard operating procedures and processes and, and build systems around here. And part of focused operations is also the team. So when we understand these things, one of the, you know, the, the story that relates to me is when I was at the height of the, you know, having way, way, way too many services, I was like, okay, I can create SOPs around this. Let me figure out what is my model. And so I tried to build this model and I built a great process and it was amazing, but it was like, I don't know, a 30 step process. And each step had like 10 steps. And so I'd build out folders and put documents in, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to build out all these processes and it's going to be amazing and the best thing ever. And guess what? Overwhelm, 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 never did it. I think I still have the, the, the folder structure somewhere on one of my computers and it's completely empty except for the names of the folders and the steps of the process. So when you're able to simplify your model and productize your model, now all of a sudden we have maybe three macro steps, you know, three or four macro steps that we can break down into three. Each of those steps can now break down into three steps. And usually those three steps then become the, the process or the, the standard operating procedure or some kind of checklist that somebody, a document that somebody can follow. And now all of a sudden we have 
a backlog of these SOPs that someone can now, if we've broken it down into bite-sized pieces and the owner can now say, I can accomplish that. I can assign that one to this, this employee. We can get that done one, one week, you know, one day at a time, one week at a time. That's easy. And when we have that process built, now we can look at the team. Who do you already have? Who are you working with? Who's, so, you know, I just want to pause you for a second before you dive into team. Sure. The something that we we've done in our business, which which works very well for us. And I think will work well for everybody, but not a lot of people think about it that way. So usually people have like a task management platform, like a ClickUp or Jira or Asana or one of those where they manage the team and the tasks. Oh, yeah. And they have an SOP folder where they keep their SOPs. And we have an SOP folder, but what we actually done is the SOPs are the tasks. So we have recurring tasks on everything that's recurring. And most of the stuff in the business is recurring. Everything that's client facing should be recurring because it's that should be replicated. Right. And then there's just a checklist, which is the standard operating procedure. And we literally have somebody who goes back and checks that you actually did all the steps. So now there is no, oh, you know what? I forgot I need to do that. Or this guy's new. He did not know that you're supposed to do this and that or all these kind of things. All this goes away because literally the task you're opening now in you know 2 p.m. on a Wednesday, this, this is what you need to do. One, two, three, four, five, six. And, and just like you said, a big part of it, we started with like, oh, there's like a 50-step checklist. And then nobody can do a 50-step checklist. But if you then break this down into four subtasks and everyone has 15 steps or five steps. They're like, oh, okay, I can do five steps and close the task. So I think two critical things that you're saying, one is think like standard operating procedures. Too many companies don't. They're like, okay, everybody's doing their thing. They kind of know what they're doing. So everything you do needs to be standardized and somebody needs to own standardizing. And then the other thing is how do you make that accessible to people that they would actually use that? And I think if you have these two things, then scalability becomes an option. Otherwise it's just not possible and it becomes a mess and you can't. You got to make it easy. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's really the core of focus really. And it's, it's how do you find that focus in every aspect of your business down to, like you say, like the, the, the SOP making it easy. You, you know, nobody's want, nobody wants to come to work and think in terms of, I got to go through, you know, a 30 step process. I mean, I guess if you work in a factory and all that stuff, it becomes part of the job and just what you do, but in a service-based model where you want to come to work and you want, you definitely looking for that fulfillment as an employee, you have to, you know, be okay. You have to kind of think in those terms or, or your, your, the owner has to think in those terms of, I have to make this easy for someone to do, otherwise they're never going to do it. And then things are going to break down. So it starts with that and, and being able to break those those steps down to a point where, you know, it is, you know, we don't want to go too far or too many because then it's not easy for the owner to put together. So it's this combination, but yeah, those are, that, that's definitely good, good valid points that we need to, to work on with the owner. So then you started talking about team. So how do you then break this into the right team? Yeah. And, and so one other point I wanted to make that you mentioned that I forgot to talk about was how do you, you know, how do you get them to use the standard operating procedures? And so you need a tool, right? You need, you need a nice tool. I found one that I'll share here. It's called whale and it's a great tool because, and I don't care what you use. There's, there's wikis out there that do the same thing, but what I've, what we found works really well is when the employee has a widget or something like built into Chrome someplace, 
easy that they can access. And so they, they click on the wiki, you know, the wiki extension. There's another one that I don't remember the name of, but I think it's go, go whale.io. If I'm not mistaken, we'll have to put it in the, the link, uh, the, the notes at the end, but there's a, a tab there and they open it up and it allows them to search or, or click through to different processes, right? Everything's built around the process. So you mentioned one way, which is just put it right into the project management tool and they're following and those tasks are, are right there and they're assigned to them every day. Another way is for them to access some sort of wiki where they, they know they need to do something and they need to find that video quickly and not have to search through, you know, 20 different layers of, of a Google drive. And so, you know, that's really important. So segueing over to team, now that we have this process in place, now we can identify who the owners of each of those areas and processes needs to be and do it in a way that's the minimum viable way. And so we need to think of it in terms of role and not people. So what are the roles that you need? And you mentioned that at the beginning, like the owner taking on multiple roles. And I think to some extent, you know, unless you're just like this perfectly run business at the, the right amount of revenue, everything, you know, nothing's ever perfect. So there's probably going to be employees who are, who are taking on multiple roles and that's okay. But we need to understand what those roles are. We usually look at production first. What's the minimum amount of people we need in production? And then what are the leaders that you need? Because if, without the leadership, then the owner is always going to be involved. So the you have to think in terms of leadership for how the owner is going to replace themselves. And usually that's, you know, some sort of project manager, depending on the size of your business. It may be a combination of project manager and account manager if you're a little bit smaller, but you need somebody who's going to oversee the quality of the delivery and make sure that things happen when they're going to happen. Otherwise, it's always going to fall on the owner back to the owner. So that's always usually a first hire for people if they don't have the already, if they already have the production people in place. But at this stage, we want to look at how do you build a 50% net profit service-based business up to at least up to a million, million and a half and beyond if you can. And so we're looking at the best combination of outsourced labor and leadership. So leadership to manage the labor, the outsourced labor. And there is, you know, people across the world, everybody needs jobs. And in my perspective, I know some people get very hung up on this idea of sending jobs overseas, but there are good people everywhere in the world and we're a global economy. And there's just as good of graphic designers in, you know, in the Philippines, in India and all these other places that there are in the U.S. And but you can also then look into the U.S. if you have a brick and mortar or you just want somebody that's closer to you, you that's where the leadership comes, right? Like somebody who you can trust, someone that you can rely on, someone who shares the vision of what you're trying to do. That, that's what's critically important. So again, I love everything you're saying. We, on our side, we have really a big global team. We don't have an office, we're all virtual. And we have people in the Philippines. We have a person in Turkey, one in Bulgaria, a bunch of people all over the US. And I, I think the digital aspect of communication today makes it possible, right? If and, and we talked about systems. Okay, so you need something to manage what's happening. You need to know what people are working on. You need to know what they've completed. You need to be able to do quality control. You talked about all these things, but all these things are easy to solve today without sitting in the same office and walking to the next room and combine that with Zoom and WhatsApp and Slack and you know other communication platforms. It makes it very easy to communicate across multiple people in multiple places. So the opportunity to fill up positions with high quality people. So if I go to, you know, Jim Collins, putting the right people in the right seats of the bus, right. you can do this without paying 
50, 60, 80, $100,000 a year, which you may not be able to afford at this point in the business. And you may be able to do that later on if you feel that it's a necessity. So <clears throat> huge point. I, I agree with you 100%. So that's operations. Then the next step in your thing is acquisition, right? So what does that mean? Who Acquisition of what? <laughs> <laughs> of customers. So okay. yeah. Yeah, not more businesses, but you need predictable leads. Most businesses, big and small, are relying on referrals. Yeah. What we find is they rely on referrals and then one or two big whale clients. Those one or two big whale clients kind of keep the lights on and the referrals kind of help keep the profit going. And most businesses do pretty good with that. But again, there's only so much in your network that that's going to to generate, you know, there, there's a, a limit and a capacity there. And so I think a lot of, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people come to us. They're at that stage where they want to get out of fulfillment, but they also want more predictable leads. They want more, not just predictable leads, but predictable ideal clients. They want to yeah. stop working with yeah, yeah, nightmare yeah. clients. They only want the best ones. And, and they believe it's possible at this point. They know they can do it. They've had enough of them. So they want to find predictable leads. So we work with them on first one-to-many model, which is looking to strategic alliances first. You know, sometimes they've already done some of this, you know, working with other agencies to, you know, bolt on to services that that agency doesn't have, or in the case of the, 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 dental, the dental marketing client that I have, we identified that if he just goes and talks with more reps that, that get in front, that are basically in front of dentists every single day, yeah. If he gives them an incentive, now all of a sudden he's got an army of people that are out there generating leads for him. And he doesn't have to do anything except pay them you know, a percentage. And we look at like a 10% cost of acquisition model. So as long as he's paying them around 10% or less, then he's good to go with that. And it's worth his money all day long. Yeah. So, so he's creating a win-win, right? These are agents that know how to sell. They now have something else that they can sell. Yeah. So it's So they're incentivized to do it right. and everybody wins. Yeah. And awesome. it's just a little bit of talking and discussion to uncover who that right person is for them, who's in their network, who have they probably already had some relationship like that with already and understanding that. So, you know, the hardest part of my job is just asking the right questions yeah. and uncovering the right data that we can plug into some of these systems. So strategic alliances, and then what is that next best channel, you know? From there, if we have a focus model, if we have very clear positioning, we really understand what the value to the marketplace is and we start selling on value, which is next part of acquisition, then attracting those clients becomes easier because now we have a message that's going out that's results-based and not just, hey, we do paid ads for you and we're really good at it and we have really good quality <laughs> and we have good customer service. You know, All that stuff's great, but it's like the bare minimum of what everybody expects out of any company these days. Yeah, And so- you know, the, especially for marketing agencies, like if you're positioning yourself around a result, that's immediately credible result with case studies, you know, so we put this positioning document together that, that puts all these things together so they can then sell. And when they get onto sales calls, now it's about a couple of things. One, we want to precondition this person before they ever get on a sales call, indoctrinate them with emails so that they're educated before they ever get on a sales call. And that sales call goes much better. Secondly, we do a two-call close system where we're selling on data. So we uncover the data in the first call. We understand things like cost of acquisition, how many leads are you getting, 
what's your lifetime value, you know, average order value, all these things that go into a second call, which is the pitch, which, you know, the mistake that most service-based and agency service-based businesses and agencies do is they will get on one call, get the information, send the proposal, boom, the client judges them on price. They either win it or they don't. And a lot of times they don't because of price. So we eliminate that and have them jump on a call and immediately take a, a do a pitch proposal that's already basically pre-done for them. All they're doing is plugging in the data and working them through that customer's specific problems and challenges that they've uncovered in the data call. And then plugging in the numbers against the solution that they have and the cost that they have to show them, look, if you do this thing, it's going to cost you this much. This is the outcome that you can expect. And this is the money that you're going to get based on what you told us. And the ROI, the 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 profit that you're going to get from that based on after the, the payment you give us is this amount. Does that make sense for you? Right. And so now you're removing anything about price. You're showing value. You're able to charge more and you're able to increase close rates. We've included doing this process. We've moved people from about 25 to 30% close rate up to a 50% close rate just from being able to sell on data. Yeah, I, I had, so two people come into mind that people can look up and kind of have more information about this. One is Alicia Barr. She is a, a sales consultant and she talks a lot about never send a proposal. Yeah. Uh, I had, I've interviewed her to the podcast. If you want to go and look at what, I don't know what episode number, but if you go back and check her out, it's, it's all about work people through the proposal in a meeting, explain everything they don't understand, make it a conversational proposal versus a proposal makes a huge, huge difference. And A, differentiates you because everybody else is just going to send them a proposal. And B, you can work through and give examples and so on that if you just put it in writing, people are not going to read it because it's going to be too long. They're going to go right to the price. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. we, We work through where are they currently, where they want to be, What's standing in their way? What's it costing them to stay in that place, right? And then what does it look like if they're able to solve it? So you kind of get those five pieces along with some of the data points. Now you've got, you're able to put together this pitch that walks them through that journey and talks to them about those emotional points that, that are, you know, why they're there in the first place, and then gives them the logical information to make you know, a no-brainer decision. Like, yeah, let's do this. I just, I won't get into it, but I just got sold and and bought into a program that was like that. They yeah. basically said, you know, here's what you're going to get. Here's what's going to cost. You only have to pay this much and here's the results you're going to get. And we guarantee it. And if you don't, you get, you know, twice your money back and here it is in writing. And I was like, yeah, that, there's no reason why I shouldn't sign up for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you touched on another point, which is guarantees, right? And a lot of Again, the Jim Collins of the world or traction talk about that a lot, right? Or or the the what is it, the hundred million dollar offer? What's oh yeah, the hundred hundred K offer. Yeah. I think it's the million dollar offer, whatever. That's it's a great book. Point. And he talks about how to make a an offer irresistible. And one of the things is guarantee. Is guarantee. Yeah. Like if you can guarantee something because you really know what you're doing, which goes back to focus, which goes back to you know you're really good at this one thing that you're gonna do then the risk is on you, then it's a no-brainer for the customer. And that's the problem is that the, the going back to the focus model is there's not focus there. There's not, there's overcomplication. And so you are not confident in the results you're going to get. 
you're not confident in the sale, but once you know what your product is and you're confident in the results you're going to get, now all of a sudden sales confidence goes up. And when sales confidence goes up, then you're talking more confidently. Like everything, like you're, you're just, you're, you're conveying that confidence to the prospect and they are like subconsciously feeling good about it because you feel good about it. But that stuff doesn't happen if you don't have that level of clarity in what you're doing. I'll add something that we do that talks straight to that and talks back to focus as well, which is our second call, kind of like what you're talking about, is literally defined and it really is. We're not just playing a game with people. Why I don't want you as a client. Yeah. Like if you don't align with this thing, if this doesn't happen in your business, if you don't have this capability, if your you know, whatever average, average transaction size or your lifetime value is not over X. I don't want you as a client because you're going to be disappointed. We are both going to work really hard. So it's kind of disqualifying call and it's defined as such. And people are very impressed with that because everybody's trying to sell them and we're trying to disqualify them as a client. The people are like, that's weird, right. but it works for both sides, right? Because then you know that it's a good fit and you know, you can really deliver on the stuff that they need in a way that they can handle. Because yeah. sometimes like, oh, this will be great for you, but they they don't have the right people in place. They don't have the right systems in place. They don't have the right capabilities in place. They they will fail and you're going to spend a lot of time and they're going to become disappointed. And, and it's not going to be a good lifetime value because you invested a lot of money in the beginning and, and, and that's it. And then they're gone because it's not working. So yeah, that's another I'm, way to approach it. I'm big on the psychology of all this and the mindset and there's psychology in that even when they are the right fit and you're, you're presenting it and framing it as such now all of a sudden, you know, they have to win you. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like yeah. it's flipped. Like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to, I don't want to get rejected. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the subconscious thing that happens and there's a lot of power in that as well. And and so, but you know, not, you're not doing it to to trick them or do any of that, but yeah, I mean, this idea that like, I want to work with you because it, it adds instant credibility when you have that level of confidence and, you know, your prospects always sort of like one level back behind your confidence. So if you're selling on, on price only, then you're usually not that confident in what you're selling. You're just trying to sell them. And they're, therefore they're kind of one step behind you and skeptical of what you're ever saying. But if you're way up here on results, then they're, they're looking less on the price and more on the results first and foremost. And is this going to work for me before, is it the right cost for me? Brilliant. Last thing is scaling. So now that we know how to acquire clients and we have the right team and the right operation and the right systems and processes and the right focus, scaling, what is that? Yeah. How do I focus on scaling? Yeah, like you said, we have the time, we know what the product is, we know the team behind it, and we have that clear process on how to get clients. Then we have to add gas to the fire. And the first place we look is how to reinvest your cash flow. And most people don't have clear understanding of their numbers. They don't track their numbers well. They don't do it. And so one of the easiest and simplest things you can do is a cash flow projection. So most people do P&Ls pretty well, I've found. And a cash flow projection is basically a, a projection of your, your profit and loss and trying to predict what's going to happen in your, in your revenue and your expense. So we use a, a simple spreadsheet that's, again, like a P&L with a couple extra lines in there that allows them to plan out what some scenarios are that could and might happen. So they'll, we'll put in the exact amounts that they know are coming in and, and maybe the ones that, that could close at like 90% confidence rate. And then we look at the expenses we know are coming in. And then we talk about 
where are some areas that you can reinvest that you feel confident are going to grow your business, usually in, in people, right? And so we look and, and that, again, coming back to confidence and focus really helps them understand like, wow, yeah, like if I, if I invest $5,000 in the next two months, it's not depleting my cash reserves. And I can see how it's going to free up time so that I can then go out and replace that with another $10,000 on top of what I spent or $20,000 on top of what I spent. So cash flow projection, but that pairs nicely with, with a plan to get them. If they're under a million, like what's it look like to get to a million dollars? How do we break that down into bite-sized pieces using kind of a combination of traction and gazelles and all, everything else that I've learned in strategic growth, OKRs, objectives, and key results? How do we use all these kind of different tools to say, okay, here's a million dollars. It's going to take, we know what your average order value is, your lifetime value and all these things. We can break down the economics to know exactly how many customers they need to get in, in what time frame, and then build out strategies quarter over quarter and then break those down month over month and week over week so that they can, you know, I think hangups here when you create plans are, you know, using weight loss as an example, right? I want to lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds. But most people don't break that down into, you know, simple bite-sized pieces like, you know, I need to focus on, I don't know, never been much of a weight loss guy, but I need to focus on working out three days a week, right? That's my real goal, not yeah. losing weight. Like I really yeah. just need to, to get down to the micro level of this. And so we do the same thing with, with planning and say, okay, this week, what do you need to do? I need to get on four sales calls. Great. How are you going to do that? Well, I need to have 20 conversations. Great. How are you going to do that? I'm going to go on LinkedIn. I'm going to connect with a hundred people and connect with, you know, have 20 conversations and those 20 conversations should lead to, you know, two to four sales calls. Do that this week. That's it. Focus on that. Yeah. You got other stuff to do, but that's kind of like your main daily thing and, or assign it to somebody even better, right? Delegate it out to somebody or, or reinvest that money into somebody who's going to do that thing for you is even better to get there. So the numbers and then the plan that's really the bulk of, of the focus scaling. I love that. So really, how do you take everything that you've learned in the previous steps and do more of it by reinvesting either time or money that you freed or that you made more of right. because of all the previous steps? And we're not showing the graphic here, but the whole thing's in a circle because it's cyclical, right? I mean, yeah. you get into scale, now you're you're you've got more time. Now where are you doing that time? And let's, let's keep going down around that model, keep improving over and over again as you scale. And when you do it in this way, you're, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, people inevitably think that it's going to take me five years to get to this goal. It's going to take me three years to get to this goal. When you do it in a very structured way, a very focused way, in a very simple way, you can cut that time by a third or more sometimes, right? You can get to your three-year goal in 12 months. You can get to your 12-month goal in three months sometimes yeah. very quickly if you, but but if you don't have that simplification, that focus, then it all goes out the window. <laughs> Jeff, this was phenomenal. Like really very good breakdown of every step and how to look at things as well as how to approach it from a practical perspective. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us. If people want to know more about you, about your business, connect with you, follow you, what's the best way to do that? I just point people to the website. It's focusfirst.co. When you get to that, there's two really good videos. There's one that's called the Forex Profit Finder and will show you a way to really find you know, small ways that you can find more profit in your business quickly. And the other one is the Apply Now button, which 
gets you on a video that kind of explains this process a little bit more and can jump on a call with me. Very consultative, very you know open. We just work you through what your business model looks like and what this FI framework can do for you. And then like you do with your customers, very transparent. If it'll work for you, then we can talk about it. If it won't, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm not trying to sell people into something that's not going to work for them. Awesome. Jeff, thanks again. This was really, really great. You obviously know what you're doing, and I'm sure that anybody who hires you is going to benefit from this. So I appreciate you taking the time and share with us. Thanks a lot. I appreciate being on. What a great conversation with Jeff. There are a lot of practical aspects of this conversation that you can take and implement either fully or some extent in order to see progress and growth. If you like frameworks as a way to grow your business, I've recorded many episodes with different people, consultants, and experts that review such frameworks. Here are a few you should check out. The first is episode 98. It was called A Proven Business Growth Acceleration Framework, shared by sought-after business coach Jerry McNamara. Great episode with a brilliant coach, and it really shares a great framework that you can use in order to get, again, focus in your business. Another episode you should check is episode 102. It was called The Four Growth Levers You Can Pull to Grow Any Business. And that was with another brilliant and successful serial entrepreneur, Pete Martin. And then finally, recently, I recorded a very interesting episode with a clear blueprint focused more on marketing. It's episode 144, and it was called The Revenue Zone, a detailed blueprint on how to do marketing and sales the right way with serial entrepreneur and author Tom Burton. So check these out. Great frameworks with phenomenal, successful people. And until next time, have an amazing week. Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. Visit Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast. And I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip, For Business Growth Acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now.